0: completing chapter 16 of the book of Acts. Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelekin, chapter 16, and I'll be going even more in depth this time than I've done prior. So let us turn now to Acts chapter 16, and we'll be beginning in verse number 9. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And just as as we go forward here, I'd just like to thank everyone for their participation in our service today as the Lord has ordained for you to be here. And those of you who who are listening on the podcast, may God's grace and provision be with you as we're going through this pandemic together. We're walking in the trust in the Lord in all these areas of our lives. And have you found him faithful? Amen. We surely have found God faithful. God has a plan and provision. He has healing power to heal all those who are afflicted for any illness or any sickness. And so, Father God, we lift up right now everyone throughout this world who is suffering, either through COVID-19 or suffering from isolation, Almighty God. We pray that your Spirit would descend upon them, And your presence, those who are battling suicidal thoughts, we just lift them up before the God most holy. May the spirit of the living God come down upon them even now as we speak. And may his presence, may the joy of their salvation, build them up in their holy faith. And know this, God has not forsaken you. God is with you through any storm of life through any mountaintop, any valley, even through the shadow of death, the Lord is with you. He loves you and he adores you. He has a plan and he's made provision for you. And it's for simply for us to shut off all the stuff, all the internet, all the news broadcasts, all that stuff, and simply open up the word of God and spend time in his presence. I encourage everyone to do this daily. Spend time, find time to be in the presence of the Lord, because then you'll hear his voice, and then you'll rejoice. And God is simply asking all his people to simply trust and obey. Listen to him. Don't be buffeted about by all the stuff that's going, all the distractions, all the chaos, but simply walk in the provision of your loving Heavenly Father. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 9. There, then a vision appeared to Shaul at night. And a man from Macedonia was standing begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Notice this the Spirit of the Living God spoke to this Macedonian man. He couldn't go to any official, he was not leaning on his government. He simply knew that he needed help. He was praying to God. This man, it's not even revealed to us who this man actually was. That's one of the beauties of the scripture. There will be things that will be revealed to us in heaven. Is this of great significance? Absolutely. But isn't it beautiful that God simply mentions that there's a man from Macedonia and, you know, as we read through the scripture here, we could say, well, we'll conjecture, well, this is the person. No, we can't. Because as we go further down, the Lord zeroes in on a certain woman who is going to have an impact in her community. And she would have her own house fellowship and congregation sometime in the future. Let's go forward. He says, help us. This man realizes the only sustaining power that they will receive comes from on high. And so he's crying out. And this guy is not focusing on Rav Shaul. He's not sending out a text or an email. He's simply praying. You know that's a beautiful thing? If our electronics all shut down, God can still hear us. We can still communicate. We don't see Yeshua at any time pulling out his laptop or pulling out his cell phone so he can communicate with his father to understand what the father is speaking and how he's to simply trust and obey. But he took time aside, and he went to what? The vehicle wasn't the Internet. The vehicle wasn't laptops, computers, Snapchat, all that other stuff. Yeshua wasn't Twittering the father. He wasn't doing all these things. He simply went in the Father's presence and prayed, communicated. See, this is better than the Internet. Because, you know, one day the Internet may be shut down for us. What would happen to you and I if suddenly, right now we're broadcasting on Zoom, we're recording on Zoom, and all of a sudden all our electronic devices wouldn't work? If God would allow that to happen, think about the significance. Then we would want, he would have all our attention, and we would be like the man from Macedonia, crying out to God and saying, Come, help us. What should the body of Messiah, universal body, So today we're continuing now on this series of Acts uh, chapter 16. Acts of Yeshua's emissaries. Shalikim. and we're going to beginning in Acts 16 and beginning in verse nine. And today we're going to complete Acts chapter 16. Today I'm going to go, go in more in depth, give more background, which is uh, sufficient for us to understand how Messiah was building his kihilah, his call out once. He's now blending both Jews and Gentiles. They're becoming one in Messiah. There's a lot of friction going on. There's a, the people they're actually bringing in, the Gentiles from the nations, the God-fearers, and other people who are, who are immediately leaving their pagan lifestyles, those that are in the process, Rav Shaul, he, it's, it's on-the-job training. He has to be dependent on Ruach HaKodesh as he goes forward, along with Sila. Now, and also a person that's not even mentioned. This is the beauty of the book of Acts. The author of the book of Acts is now present in these travels, but he doesn't even mention himself by name. So let us begin here in Acts chapter 16, verse 9. There a vision appeared to Shaul at night. Notice that here's a vision. Rav Shaul is not sleeping. He's wide awake. But the Lord has got his full attention, and he's given him a vision. Okay? See, Rob Shul did not have the internet. He didn't have a laptop. He didn't have a cell phone. He, when he would travel, he would not go and, and find someone, a travel agent, to set him up so he can take a plane from here to there. No, he was traveling even by walking. He might ride a horse. He might be on a carriage. He might be traveling by boat. He was going through the valleys, the hills, experiencing all these things. And, you know, here in Western society, in modern society, we don't take all these things into into account. There were thieves. There were highwaymen out there. He could be robbed. He could be killed at any moment. Those that were accompanying him. All these things were part of the dynamics that he was dealing with. So there, a vision appeared to Shaul at night, a man from Macedonia. It's amazing. It says simply a man. In all of Scripture, it doesn't reveal to us who this man was. That's some of the secret things that God has allowed so that one day in heaven, it will be revealed to us. See, because sometimes we get so focused on the things that God doesn't want us to be even focused on. We get so distracted with all what's going on. You see, at Paul's time, Rav Shaul's time, this internet, none of this stuff was going on. But just as what we're experiencing today with this pandemic, God's got the whole attention of the whole wide world. Economically. Many nations have been in shutdown periodically, all these things. And God is stirring all these things up. Why? So he can get our full attention. God allows surus, troubles in our lives so that we'll be not so distracted on the things of the world. Because, you know, we as believers many times, we get so focused on our own lives, that we set aside building the kingdom of God most high. And so with this, let us now continue. And notice this, this man from Macedonia, what's he doing here? He's standing and he's begging him. Begging who? He's begging God to come. See, this man from Macedonia has never met Rob Shaw before. There's no mention of that scripture what at all. So who is this man communicating with what a true blessing it would be today if all believers would simply fast, not from food, but fast from all the media that they're currently digesting. What's happening right now? You have believers that are at war with other believers. Is that part of God's design and plan? Absolutely not. To the point where they're becoming enemies, They're attacking one another. And what are they using? They're using the Internet. They're using Facebook, Twitter, all this stuff. But you know what's amazing? Yeshua never had Twitter. Yeshua never sent an email to to Abba, Father God, to get his instructions on what he was to be doing. Yeshua never had a laptop. And what a blessing it would be today if God, by his sovereign will, had us cut off all communication whatsoever where would you and I be we would be so shocked in that then we would have to go into the presence of the father and speak to him directly just as yeshua did see the enemy you know what's amazing when you when you stop and think about this what is what is one of hasatan satan's titles the prince of the power of the air, God established prayer as a communication prior to there ever being any letters written or any communication whatsoever. You have direct access to God the Father at a moment's notice, and let's say all of a sudden you're you're out of range where you're not getting a, a service. You know what prayer? In praying, there is no disconnect. The Lord hears our prayers. He knows our thoughts. And what a beautiful time it would be right now for all believers to just simply shut off their internet, set their phones aside, and spend time daily in the presence of the Father. Notice this. This is what Yeshua did when he was here upon the earth. He would even at times have to get away. From his talmudy, go away. Go out on a boat. Go away up on a hill. Go away to a certain place, and just simply be in the presence of the Father, so he could hear what the Father was saying. Because you want, know just like we have today, so many distractions that are going on. People, I tell you, they will run you to and fro and have you do all kinds of stuff, and say you need to do this. You got to hear this tape. Tape. You got to hear this teaching. You got to follow this. You got to do this. That's all distractions. But we see what Yeshua did was this He simply got away and he spent time in the presence of the Father. He heard his voice. Because ultimately, you know what? What Yeshua will be saying to us? What did you do with your talents, Rabbi Frank? You fill in your name in that blank. What have you done with what I've given you? Have you heard my word? Were you following me or were you following another? And you see this individual here, this man in Macedonia, who I most likely, I believe he was a God-fearer, because why would he be calling out to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's calling out to God. And you know what's beautiful? God gives Rav Sha'ul a vision of the very moment. This is before internet. There's no recording going on. There's no camera. There's no camera set up in front of this man. But in a vision, God shows. He doesn't show this to Silas or Luke or Kepha, no one else, but he shows it to Rav Sha'ul. And he sees this man. And only does he see him, he hears the words. And let us look at the words here. A man from Macedonia was was standing begging. All right? Now, this isn't just some flippant prayer. I got to pray today. I got to get my 15 minutes with the Lord. Okay, let's sit down. Let's pray. No, he's begging. Because he knows that there's no other hope. He can't rely on his government. If you're relying on your government to meet your needs, then you put government on the throne of your life. Rabbi, don't say that. We need to hear it. If Donald Trump, or in America, Donald Trump, or if the Senate or the Congress is your provider, As a believer, you got it all wrong. You're on the wrong path, and you're walking in the wrong provision. It's the Lord's provision that God's desires for us to walk therein. And notice this man from Macedonia is crying out to God, and he's begging God. He's not talking to his local mayor. He's not sending a letter to Rome to have them deliver them. But he's crying out to God because he knows what he needs. Let's go forward here. And what are the words? Simple words. Help us. I believe this. If the body of Messiah universal, the kihilat, the Messianic community throughout the whole world, if God's people shall humble themselves and repent and seek after God, because you know what, right now, what the body of Messiah needs is a refilling of the Ruach HaKodesh as never before. Otherwise, we'll go be going doing things as we have we have we've done in the past. God has got our, our attention right now because He wants to do things a brand new way, and that's what the journey that Rav Shaul is doing right now. Because right now, what's happening is that there are people from the pagan world who are coming into the body of Messiah. And they're God seekers. They see that their pagan gods have failed them. Their government has completely failed them. And where's Macedonia? It's in the area of Greece. And so this man is crying out for God to help. Let's now go to verse 10. As soon as he had seen the vision, we... Now, I mentioned before about there's an individual, his name is Luke. And you see, Luke's ministry wasn't about Luke. It was about the Lord. And I believe this, that the body of Messiah now has champions in their lives, men and women women that they revere more than they do Yeshua. What did Yeshua say? If, if Billy Graham be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He said, if he, Yeshua, be lifted up, then he will draw all people unto himself. See, it's God's kingdom. It's not my or your kingdom. It belongs to the Father. See, the body of Messiah has gotten things out of whack. Why? Because we have entered into doing things as the world does. So right now, by God's sovereign will, if he'd so decided to go ahead and melt down the internet, our radios, our our, our telephones, we would simply have to turn to God for his daily provision and to hear his voice to simply obey. I believe truly from the bottom of my heart that then God would have us walking on the true path because we have so many distractions in our life right now. Let's go forward. As soon as he had seen the vision, we lost no time in getting ready to leave for Macedonia. Notice that. Earlier verses here, the, the spirit Yeshua said, no, you're not to go to that area. And the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the Living God, told them, No, you're not to go to this place. But now he's divinely giving them his plan. He's given a vision to cement it into the mind of Rav Shaul. Confirmation. Because you know what Rav Sha'ul was learning? I'm not to go by my own insights. I'm to be like Yeshua, hear what the Spirit of the Living God is doing, and walk therein no more no less not to turn to the right or to the left but simply hear the voice of the lord and to proceed and when when the lord doesn't say to take another step don't take another step because you know what you'll be doing you'll be walking in disobedience let's move forward we concluded For we concluded that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. What is God's plan for the corporate Messianic community to be doing right now? Arguing on the internet? No. We are to be doing what? Proclaiming the good news to people. See, if someone dies from COVID or anything else, the Lord can, can stop my heart at a moment's notice. But if the good news is not being proclaimed, people will be lost for all eternity. But what is America? What is the world focused on right now? COVID. But what is the body of Messiah to be focused on? You know, the beauty that I heard about reports that were going on in Wuhan, China. That their believers were wearing yellow. And they went out there and they proclaimed the good news. Because they had a captured audience there to proclaim the good news. Think about the time and opportunity we have right now to proclaim the good news. Let's move forward. Verse 11. Sailing from Troas, we made straight, a straight run to Somothrace. And next day we went through Neapolis. And if you like to, I mentioned before, look at your, your, uh, your, your maps. This is Rav Shaul's second journey. Okay. Follow these maps. So you can see how the Lord did these things. Let us go forward in verse 12. And from there, we went on to Philippi. Notice this area, this region, it's outside of Turkey. This is now in present-day Greece, a Roman colony and a leading city of the part of Macedonia. We spent a few days there in the city. Notice that? It was just a few days, and then the Spirit of Living God led them on. Then on Shabbat, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we understood a minion. What is a minion? That's a gathering of at least 10 individuals. They could be most likely, minion means men, but they could also be a, a grouping of a mixed group of both men and women. And why are they together to do? To worship the Lord. Let's go forward here, where we understood a minion met, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had gathered there. Notice that. And you notice something else as they as they arrived in Neapolis, and they 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 arrived in Somothrace and Troas. In all these places in Philippi, he's not going to walking up to that Macedonian man and say, hey, we're here. We're we're God's answer to your prayer. We have the good news. That's never said in the scripture here. So let us go forward. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So now we're going to go a little bit deeper. Notice in Acts 16.10, we... And with that word we means, not speaking, because you know, Rob Shaul's not writing the book of Acts. Neither is Sila. But we, the author Luke, Luke was with Shaul, and he reports of his own experiences. The we passages continue until Acts chapter 16, 17. And then they, then they resume in Acts chapter 25. And it doesn't give us the details why Luke left, and then, then later on he rejoined them. So let us move forward. Acts 16, 12 through 13. We spent a few days in the city. Then on Shabbat, we went outside the gate to the riverside, side, where we understood a minion had met. The Greek words here are po-seve, enie. And they mean where a place of prayer was. Okay? Here it is translated where a minion met. So, they often denotes a synagogue building. All right? But there's no synagogue there, they're simply by the river. Many times, when Jewish people would move to a certain area, they would have a place of prayer by a body of water. And if it was flowing water, it was a blessing because there was a time of mikvah. And this is sometimes what we're mit, we lose from Western society and from church teaching, is that there were mikvahs because as you were preparing yourselves to go and worship Adonai or to offer your gift, which was a gift of a sacrifice of an animal, you were to wash yourself first to go through the mikvah the waters of immersion. See, acts of repentance was a key to Jewish religion and the Jewish mindset. And so that's why Rav Shaul knew that if there was not a synagogue within the village, that there would be potentially God-fearers and Jewish people meeting by a body of water. So synagogues were frequently built by running water in order to eliminate the need for constructing a mikvah. That cost a lot of money, all right? And when you're starting out a brand new congregation, you don't have the wherewithal to build a mikvah. And this was for ritual immersion. But in this instance, there's a reason to suppose that there was no no synagogue now at the river's edge. Otherwise, it would have simply entered into the synagogue. For when the Roman emperor Claudius, and this is some more background, historical, so we can understand what's going on taking on at this place, the emperor Claudius expelled the Jews from Rome. And where is that recorded? In Acts 18.2, the Roman-controlled city of Philippi followed now suit. In consequence, it is likely that a few Jews passed over the expulsion order, along with Jews who formerly lived in the area of Philippi. See, they were kicked out of the, of the city proper, And you know what? The city was a walled city for, for their protection. And so the Jewish people were expelled from being part of there, and they couldn't go to their synagogue that was in Philippi. But now they lived outside that city and nearby it. And not having a building in which to meet Instead, they gathered together now at the river's edge. So a minion is a quorum of at least 10 men or a mixed group of men and women. And they would have enough for a regular synagogue service. And a modified version of the service could proceed with fewer men or even men, no men, and only women, as is the case here. Since Sha'ul and his companions spoke to the women, had gathered there and this is very very significant in that women were not seen as co-equal in the ancient world notice that Yeshua's own Talmudim rebuked him when what when he was speaking to a Samaritan woman why are you wasting your time that was their opinion but he was there to proclaim the good news of the coming kingdom Now let us go back to Acts chapter 16, verse 14. So we sat down, we began speaking to the women who had gathered there. That's the latter part of verse 13. Now verse 14. One of those listening was a woman from the city of what? Thyatira. Look on your maps, find Thyatira. And what was her name? Lydia. And she was a dealer in what? Fine purple cloth. So this is a businesswoman, all right? A woman of means, okay? She was already a God-fearer. So the Spirit now is giving us specific information. She had not converted to Judaism. She is a God-fearer. She believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, But she did not go to the point in her life of converting to Judaism. See, that was God's provision for her and for many people. Because, you know, in the ancient world around Israel, there were many God-fearers. You know what's amazing? Nobody kept statistics of the God-fearers. All right? But we see that as Yeshua was setting up the kingdom. That there were god fears. How about that Roman centurion? He was a God-fearer, fearer, and so was Cornelius. Remember, in the beginning part of Acts? And so this is a progression. Let's go forward here. She was already a God-fearer, and the Lord opened up her heart to respond to what Rav Shua'ul was saying. Notice this. She came to a point of serving Adonai Elohim, but she wouldn't go any further. And so now for her to become part of this new kihila, this new call out ones, it took now the Lord to open up her heart, to persuade her that these words that Rav Shaul was sharing with her were not their To cause her to convert to Judaism, but to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. God's now making a new provision. See, it was never God's plan for people from the nations to convert to Judaism, but to receive Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, as their own Messiah. Let's move forward here. Verse 15. After she and members of her household had been immersed, she gave us this invitation. If you consider me faithful to the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she insisted until they went. They went and did that. Now let us go on to verse 16. And once when we were going to the place, see this is another time, where the minion gathered, notice that. They're not having services in their house. They're still meeting at the river. Why? Because he wanted to proclaim the good news to the Jews that were there beside the river. And also the god that would go there. Because you notice, God has not opened up these other Jewish people to God's plan up to this point. And the god fears there who heard the same words that Shaul proclaimed, God, excuse me, the Lord had not opened up their hearts yet. See, this is a progression. As the Spirit of the living God gives us revelation, and we can attest to this in our own lives, as the Spirit reveals to us truth, we have to have time to contemplate. Is this what truly what, what God's Word says? So we search the scriptures. We try these things out. And you see, that's the progression that this woman, Lydia, had been on, and also these other individuals. We're to do what? We're to proclaim the good news. And when the good news is proclaimed, seeds are planted in the hearts and minds of individuals. And who brings the revelation? Is it I? Can I argue someone to the point? where I can convince them that's not the will of God for any believer. That is the work of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of the Living God, who brings revelation and confirmation. He speaks to our inward parts as no human being could ever do. It's not their place. You cannot debate someone to the point where they enter into redemption. That's the work of the Ruach HaKodesh, to remove the veil from their eyes, to open up their hearts. See, many times we as believers, we think, well, i got to give a better argument. i got to give a better sales pitch. We're not selling the good news. We're sharing the good news with people. And the one that brings change, the one that brings revelation, the one that brings confirmation is the spirit of the living God. What is our simple task? To simply proclaim, to share, and to live out the good news. Because people, if they do not see God's kingdom being lived out in our lives daily, then our words become worthless and empty. Let's move forward here. Verse 16. And once we were going to a place where the minion gathered, we were met by a slave girl who had a snake spirit. Yoga. And that's a threshold, an opening towards demonic activity in your lives. If you do historical research, on where yoga came from, I will say no more and I'll let you investigate. You know, because sometimes rabbis and pastors and teachers and preachers, they give you too much information, but it's time for you to do research on your own. As being a believer, we're to what? We're to read God's word and know the truth ourselves. We're not to be bottle fed anymore We're to rise up as young men and women of God and older men and women of God to read the scripture, search the scripture, and allow the spirit of living God to reveal the truth to us. So, going forward, a slave girl who had in her a snake spirit. Now, is that the spirit of living God? Absolutely not. That is a demonic spirit. Going forward, that enabled her to do what? Predict the future. Who had control over her? A demonic spirit that was predicting what the future, what does the world want right now? They want to know what's going to happen next. What source are you going to go to? The one who sits upon the throne in the heavens, Ha'elion, God Most High, or do you want to go and receive from Hasatan, demonic spirits, the future? She earned a lot of money for the owners by telling fortunes. What's popular right now? People telling fortunes. Let's go forward. This girl followed Shaul and the rest of us. Notice that. Luke is now speaking. He's saying us, we and us. Remember, he's the one that's recording, writing this book. And she kept screaming, These men are servants of God, Ha El Yom. They're telling you how to be saved. Let's dig a little deeper. Acts 16, 16 through 18. I got to finish verse 18. She kept this up day after day until Shaul, greatly disturbed, turned to her and said, To what? To her? No. He turned to her, but then he spoke to what? to the spirit that was in her. To the Holy Spirit that was in her? No, the kundalini demonic spirit, the snake spirit. And he said these words, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, I order you to come out of her. And the spirit, the kundalini snake spirit, did come out of her that very moment. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper. From this passage we learn, number one, demons can can perform apparently useful services. All right? Number two, they can tell the truth if it serves their purpose. When, when Yeshua was tempted by Hasatan in the desert, after he went through his mitkvah, his immersion from the waters, and the Spirit of the Living God descended upon him, And then he was led by what? By the Spirit of the living God to do what? To be tempted by whom? Hasatan. What did Hasatan do? He misinterpreted. He gave a portion of the truth of the Scriptures, but not all of it. Let's go forward here. They tell truth if it serves their purpose. If you notice this, false teachers... Christian cults, they have a part of the truth, but not the whole truth. It's a mixed bag to bring about what? Deception. Even though their ruler Satan is the inventor of all lies. Hasatan. Where is that found? In the Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 44. It says this, that Yeshua is speaking. He says that he is the father of lies. You know what it also says? He is the inventor of lies. See, a lie was not invented by God. See, there are some things in this world that never came from God, the Father. But who invented lies? It was Hasatan himself. Third, nevertheless, Demonic beings, their object is to interfere with the good news and a distraction. Here's a distraction, because you know what? This slave girl was filled with a demon. And it would appear that that, that she is doing what? She's doing the will of the Lord. But she's not doing the will of the Lord. Remember, there was a sorcerer named Simon in the early part of Acts. And he saw what this apostle was doing. And he wanted to what? He wanted to buy, purchase the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. And what did Cephas say to him? He rebuked him. See, what Hasatan has tried to do before, he has no new bag of tricks. Because this young girl had been known in that community, the source, the demonic source. And can God go and do things by using Satan to proclaim the good news? Absolutely not. So let us move forward here. Now let us turn to the Gospel of Mark, in uh, chapter one, verse twenty-three, because here we're gonna we're gonna recognize how the Spirit of Living God desires for us to deal with the demonic horde. Mark, chapter one, verse twenty-three. And this is Yeshua. He's now in Capernaum and on Shabbat. I'll read verse 23 first. They entered Capernaum and on Shabbat, Yeshua went into the synagogue and began teaching. And they were amazed at the way he taught, for he did not instruct them like the Torah teachers, but as one who has authority himself. In their synagogue, just then was a man with an unclean spirit upon him, who shouted, What do you want from us, Yeshua from Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Yeshua did what? He rebuked the unclean spirit. Notice that. He doesn't speak to the man. He knows who's a power and authority over this man's life. He's, he rebuked this unclean spirit, be quiet and come out of him. And then throwing the man into a convulsion, who's doing that? That's the evil spirit. It gave out a loud shriek. Is the man screaming? No, the demonic spirit is speaking. And it came out of him. And they were all so astounded that they began asking each other, what is this? A new teaching, one with authority behind it. He gives orders to even unclean spirits, and they obey him. And the news about him spread quickly throughout the whole region of Galilee. Now think about this. Rav Shaul wasn't there. He wasn't the original 12. But I believe he had heard this story, and I believe that the time when Yeshua took him and he went into the wilderness of Arabia, and he was taught by the Ruach HaKodesh one-on-one, all these situations and how Yeshua dealt with a demonic spirit was revealed to Rav Shaul. So let us go forward here. So did you recognize in Acts chapter 16 that in expelling the demon, Shaul does not address the girl, but the demon. He does not rely on his own authority, but that of Yeshua. Yeshua. Now let us look at another situation here as we're going forward in Acts uh, sixteen twenty to 22. And I'll read that portion first. Now, but when her owners saw what had come out was any further prospect for profit for them, they seized Shaul and Sila and dragged them to the market square to face the authorities. Verse 20, bringing them to the judges, they said, these men are causing a lot of trouble in our city since they are Jews. What they are doing is advocating customs that are against the law for us to accept and practice since we are Romans. Now the mob joined the attack against them, and the judges tore their clothes off them and ordered them now to be flogged. Notice this, that in Acts sixteen twenty, that since they were Jews, that they, ca- that they had charges against them, that they are causing trouble and advocating customs against the law for Romans. They are both fa- false and vague. The purpose now is only to stir up the mob. What's going on into America right now? A mob mentality. Who's orchestrating this? What brings disunity to a nation? Hasatan. He's the orchestrator behind all this mob mentality, where people cannot dwell in their own home safely. They can't go and shop and and, and do commerce in their own communities. Who's behind all this? Hasatan. He's pulling strings of individuals. What does Hasatan desire to happen in the world? Anarchy lawlessness, these things. So let us go forward. Their purpose is only to stir up the mob, and thus anti-Semitism throughout history. Nevertheless, these Gentile pagans were right about one thing. Jews for Jesus are Jews, and they're not Gentiles. Now going a little bit deeper now in Acts 16.22, the judges tore their clothes off whose clothes, Rav Shaul and Silas, and and ordered them now to be flogged, to be beaten. There is no mention of a trial or defense, attorney be assigned to them, when anti-Semitic feelings run high, as in this city which had already ejected the Jews, Acts 16, 12 through 13, justice also flees. Have you notice right now in America what's happening behind the scenes? These people are now attacking synagogues. And they're speaking anti, anti-Semitic rhetoric. Notice that's coming out of these people's mouths now? Let's go forward here. Back to Acts chapter 23. After giving them a severe beating, this is Rav Shul and Silas received, they threw them into prison and charging the jailer jailer to guard them securely. Upon receiving such an order, he threw them into the inner city and clamped their feet securely between heavy blocks of wood. And around midnight, what happened? What was the reaction of Saul and Silas? But to enter into prayer. What should we as a Messianic community, universal, be doing right now? Spend time in prayer and worship. The Lord is to be our focus. It says this, Adonai inhabits the praises of whom? His people. And when Adonai hears the prayers and hears us singing, and worshiping, despite our pandemic or the circumstances we find ourselves with, what happens? He brings potential deliverance. Let's go forward here. Around midnight, Shaul and Silo were praying and singing hymns to God, while other prisoners listened attentively. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake, which shook the prison to its foundations. All the doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer awoke, and when he saw the doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, for he assumed that the prisoners had escaped. But Shaul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And calling for the lights, the jailer ran in and began to tremble, and fell down in front of Shaul and Sila. Then leading them outside, he said, men, what must I do to be saved? So here God had ordained for Shaul and Sila to undergo persecution, anti-Semitism, to the point where they were able to demonstrate the good news through singing and praying. That was God's provision for this jailer to come and ask these words, what must I do to be saved? See, behind the scenes, this man was serving at a jail, didn't have, have opportunity, most likely. So that was probably his seven-day-a-week job, 24 hours a day. He probably had very little time for himself or for his family. He couldn't go down by the river there and to hear the message. And so God brought the good news message to him through very unusual circumstances. Verse 31, then they then they said, both Sha'ul and Silas said these words, trust in the Lord Yeshua, you will be saved, you and your whole household. So let's dig a little deeper in Acts 16.31. Trust in the Lord Yeshua, and you will be saved. There are now five conditions for salvation of individuals stated in the Brit Hadashah New Testament. Number one is this believing that Yeshua is Lord and trusting him where is that found we don't have time to go into that scripture right now but I'll mention it to you Romans 10:9 second to acknowledge him publicly that's found in Romans 10:9 and Luke 12:8 third turning from sin to God due to shuva acts of repentance where is that found in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 And Acts 2.38, going forward. Fourth, being immersed. Going underneath the waters of immersion. Where is that found? In Acts 2.38, and that's what this uh, jailer desires to do. And also that woman Lydia, a God-fearer, she did. And also found in in Mark chapter 16.16. And the last, the most important one is this, Holiness. God desires us to be holy, just as he is holy. That's not through works of our own, but through his holiness. We receive his holiness upon our lives. Holiness with, without which no one will see the Lord. Where is that found? In Messianic Jews, Hebrews chapter 12, 14. For I say this to you, a person who meets the first four conditions, but leads an ungodly life and gives, and gives public evidence that he is not saved. Sha'ul names only the first condition, why? Because it's the touchstone, it's the beginning place, sensing that the jailer now is ready to meet all the conditions as soon as they've been explained. See, through revelation and time and period, which Saul then does, found in Acts 16.32. Now let us go to Acts 16.32 as we continue. We'll wrap up this message. Whereupon they told him, everyone in his household, the message about Messiah, the Lord. You see, they revealed this. They proclaimed the good news. And the Spirit of the living God descended upon them. They were convicted in their hearts. They repented of their sins. and They went through the waters of immersion, and they received Yeshua as their Messiah, and therefore they were then grafted in into the Kehillah, the Messianic community. Now let us go now back in depth in Acts 16.32, you and your household. In the Bible, a man and his family are considered a unit, far more than the individual. You know, in Scripture, it says this in the book of Romans, Romans, that one day all of Israel shall be saved. That's coming in the future. But at this time, God deals with individuals. He pours out his spirit. That's why in some Jewish families, you will have one person or more that come to a saving faith of who Yeshua is the Messiah but others have not had the veil removed from their eyes. Let's go forward here. Back to Acts chapter 33. Then even at that late hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, washed to his wounds, Shaul and Silas. And without delay, he and all his people of his household were immersed, no, they, he didn't have to twist their arms. They desired it because the Spirit of the living God had revealed to them individually to receive Messiah Yeshua and to repent of their sins and to undergo these waters of immersion. After that, he brought them up to his house, the jailer did, and set food in front of them. He and his entire household celebrated their having come to trust in God. The joy of the Lord. Think about this. All their names were then being inscribed in the book of life in heaven. The Lamb's book of life. They are now redeemed. Let's go forward in verse 35. The next morning, the judges sent police officers with the order. Release those men. The jailer told Shaul, the judges have sent word to release both of you. So come out and go your way in peace. But the jailer, but Sha'ul said to the officers, after flogging us in in public, when we hadn't even been convicted of a crime and are now, we are Roman citizens, they threw us into prison. Now they want to get rid of us secretly? Oh no. Let them come and escort us out themselves. Then the officers reported these words to the judges. Who became frightened when they heard that Shaul and Sila were what? Roman citizens. They had rights. Just like us who live, whatever country you're living in right now, I'm speaking to the people on the podcast and those that live in America too, we have certain laws, ways about doing things. And all these laws come from the Ten Commandments. In some shape or form. Let's move forward. Back to the scripture. Verse 39. They came and they apologized. Who did this? The leaders of that village. You notice this. It wasn't quietly. They had to eat crow. They had to admit what they did was wrong. Before every everyone through the community. That they had flogged these two men. They had thrown him into prison without them having a trial. And as Roman citizens, don't you think that word would have gone out and eventually went back to Rome? And don't you think that these individuals would have been brought before the Roman courts and then they would have been prosecuted for their evil acts? Let's go forward here. He came and they apologized to them. Then after escorting them out, they required requested them to leave the city. Please, can you leave? From the prison, they went to Lydia's house. They're finally able to participate in her invitation. And after seeing and encouraging the brothers, they then went and they departed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There are some very, very important uh, words that uh, Dr. David Stern has written. And I'd like to share them with you. He says in his uh, in his writings about believers in Yeshua are sometimes expected to be meek and mild and behave like doormats, all right? In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 8, it says that we're to turn the other cheek and to go to the second mile. It's found in Matthew five thirty nine through 42. But there is... There are, at times, situations where we are expected to to stand up and not to bend. Refusing to give ground, and that is where what? When the good news itself is at stake. If the good news can be served better by fighting back, we should fight back. The fighting, of course, is to be conducted ethically by by spiritual means. And what does the scripture mandate in that? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. We are to obey God rather than people. Acts four nineteen. In these verses, we see Shaul using several legitimate means. He mentions his own Roman citizenship. He points out the officials, illegal behavior, the public flogging, the imprisonment, without a trial or conviction. Of any crime. He demands now what? Public redemption. To have the record set straight in the public so that all the insults that he had received along with Sila. He does this all to ensure what? Proper treatments, but that not because of his own personal pride does he do this. His concern is for the good news only. He wants to ensure that no one in Philippi will come away from this incident with the impression given by Shaul's accusers. What was, were they accusing him of? Bringing these Jewish traditions and things that weren't Roman. All right? That the message of Messiah is also for Roman people and for all people around the world. This good news, the Jewish people are to be a light to the nations. Who did the Messiah come from? What people group? The Jewish people. He is the Jewish Messiah and the world's Messiah. We're to do what? To proclaim the good news. To give everyone an opportunity. So anyone that's listening on this podcast, I encourage you to search these scriptures that have been shared to you today. And if you have not received Yeshua as your Messiah, here is your opportunity to simply go before him, ask the spirit of living God to reveal to you if there is any error in your life so that you can do acts of teshuva, acts of salvation so that you can receive Yeshua as your Messiah, that you can be washed by his precious blood, that your name's, can be inscribed in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, and that God can redeem you from eternal destruction and separation from himself. We ask this in Yeshua's name that you do this on your own. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shabbat Shalom.